wreck us today. Let us leave this place saying, my goodness, the presence of the Lord was there. The seeds have been planted. They have been sown. Let it blossom in my life. Take me to a new place. Take me to a new level in your spirit. We open ourselves to you today, Father. We ask you to bless us and move in our midst. In Jesus' name. Let's stand together. We will stand and rejoice as one people lifting one voice. You're worthy of glory, worthy of honor, and worthy of praise. We will shout and proclaim the greatness of your holy name you're worthy of glory worthy of honor and worthy of praise you are holy you are holy the holy sings your praise the holy sings your praise The whole earth sings your 
Worship the Lord, church. Can't you feel him? Just lift him up in this place. Hallelujah. 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 Just worship the Lord, church. Yeah. 
wonderful job today I was told by someone on Facebook just yesterday um, Pastor Phil Uga who is all the way in Kenya Africa that he loves our services he and his church and um, that he wanted us to know that he'd be watching with his people today and so can we welcome them all the way from Africa man that's amazing so God bless you guys thank you for being a part of our service it's amazing how technology is and how that it can reach all the way around the world. I've often wondered what the Apostle Paul could have done with the kind of 
opportunity that I have before me today to be able to utilize such an amazing thing. Today I want to deal with the topic entitled, A Cup or a Well? And that's the question that I leave with all of us today. A cup or a well? Why is it when we look at our lives, and let's go ahead and read Psalm 116 before I get kicked off too hard here. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits towards me? That's what, what will I give to God for all the blessings that he's given me? I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. Thank you. I, I, want, I want to ask, why is it that there is something in us that we tend to think that we get troubles by the wellful and blessings by the cupful? Why do we think that we get trials and troubles, tribulations by the wellful, and we get little blessings by the cupful? Do you understand that even when God is allowing you to go through troubles, look around you at all the blessings that are still in your life. You may have a bad day, right? But thank God you've got a house to come to and rest in. Right? You might stump your toe at the office and think, oh my gosh, this is the worst day ever. But thank God that you got a car to get in and accelerate to get you from point A to point B. When we look at, and, and I know what Job said in the Old Testament. I know Job told us, he said that man's days are few and they are full of trouble. So I'm not undermining the fact that we go through tribulation, we go through trials, that there's a lot of bad days. I'm not not discrediting that thought at all. But I'm trying to get us to gain a perspective of how blessed we really are. And when I open my Bible in the New Testament, this is what I find in the New Testament. The New Testament experience is that we get trials by the cupful. Paul said, and these light afflictions, this little cup full of trouble that I'm going through, they are not worthy to be compared with the well of blessings that God has stored up for those that love him and will serve him. See, so he compares all of the trouble, all of the trials to a cup full But when he talks about the blessing and the favor of God on his life, he said it is like a well of water. It is amazing, the goodness of God. And so today as I look over this congregation, I will admit that I may not know what you're going through today. You may have not told me, text me, let me know. But the good news is this. If your cup is full of trial and troubles, I want you to understand that your well inside of you is full of the blessings and favor of God. And I need somebody to know that God is not going to leave you with the cup. Your story will not end with a cup of blessing. Your story is going to end with a well of blessings. Can somebody say amen today? See, here's the deal. Here's the deal. When I think about, we need to remember this. That there is a well that we have, anybody know? Inside of us. There is a living well of water springing up inside of us what in the world does that mean it is the well of salvation what did God say he said out of your belly is going to come this river it's like a well springing up it's rivers of living water that's what salvation is this water inside of me is not to be stagnant does anybody know what stagnant water is I looked up some notes and I wrote them in my Bible here. I put stagnant notes. And this is what I found. Stagnant means that there is no current. There is no flow. 
And I begin to think, my gosh, that's exactly what the devil wants with our salvation. He doesn't want a flow of the Spirit in our lives because that springs up into life. And so if he can stagnate us and get us just, you know, kind of, kind of, not a flow, not, not a Spirit moving among us, if he can get us stale and stagnant, then there's no anointing, there's no power, there's no authority in the believer's life. And that is the way the devil wants you. He doesn't want a living well springing up. He wants stagnant water that isn't flowing. It isn't blessing anybody. It isn't encouraging anybody. It isn't helping anybody. So I went on to read about still stagnant water. And you know what stagnant also means? It means unpleasant. And you know what really is bad? The smell. Stagnant water stinks. Let's just say it the way it is. And I begin to think, my goodness, isn't it bad if there's some people on your job that don't want to be around you because you're a foul Christian? Wouldn't it be bad if when we walked in the room, oh, the, liver, the people that have the water flowing in us, the people, oh, we're alive in Jesus, and we walk in the room, and all they smell is the stench. And they're like, oh, my goodness, they're so foul. Their attitude is rotten. They are absolutely stagnant. You know what else stagnant means? It means showing no activity. It's not moving. It is dull. It is lazy. It is sluggish. God help us that we don't have stagnant water. That means we don't want to do anything for the kingdom. It is all about me, myself, and I. I don't want to bless other people. I don't want to help other people. Is that what's inside of you? It was a question. Give me at least a nod. If some of you shake your head, yes, I'm going to get the anointing all over there somewhere. Is that what is inside of us? Foul spirit. Don't want to do anything for the kingdom. There's no current. There's no flow of the anointing in our lives. Is that what we've got? If that is what we got, it is definitely not what we need. God, get that mess out of me. It is time to do something about that because that is not what God has for me. That's not his best for me. But if we are not careful, the world with all of its pleasures will plug our well up. I want you to hear me today. The cares of life that are so many will clog our well. Sin will come to us and sin will clog our well. What does sin do? It clogs up the flow of the spirit that is coming into our lives. It clogs up the anointing. It clogs up what we can be, what we are capable of doing in the lives of people that do not know Jesus. That is why Satan wants us to be in sin. That's why he, it clogs us up. It makes us stagnant. The filth of the world, the filth that we see, folks, the filth that we hear if we're not all the negative stuff that's going on and we hear the negative until we're tired of the negative but what we don't understand it, it is clogging up the well of salvation that is inside of us so what did Isaac do we need to do what Isaac did because Isaac the Bible says that he comes to a well and he cleaned out the well what does that even mean? The Philistines, Abraham, his father has died. The Philistines, which is the enemy, came to that well. The well gives life. The well gives refreshing. Do you understand why the devil wants a dead church? Do you know why the devil doesn't want a flowing of revival in our midst? Because he knows that if we don't have the flow of the Spirit, that the devil, he's going to come in and be able to stop it, clog it up to where we don't have access anymore. Watch this. So the Philistines are the enemy come in. This is living water. This is fresh water. This is flowing water, not stagnant water. But they come in, and when they come in, they clog up. They throw rocks and dirt and muck into this well until they clog it up. And it's after Abraham, Isaac's father, has died that they did this. See, for some of you, you're like, what in the world is the point of a well? Well, the well was generational. You see, the well... Abraham dug a well so Isaac could have a well. Isaac dug a well so that Jacob could have a well. 
Jacob, does anybody get the point? So that his 12 sons can have a well. It is a constant flow of water. What do we need to survive? I've got to have water to survive. If I don't drink, I am going to die. That is science 101. That is health 101. Without water, you die. And I am telling somebody today that without the flowing of the Holy Spirit in our life, we are going to die. We've got to unclog the well. And so Isaac begins to redig this well. You know, I thought about generational wells. I said, what are we leaving our children behind? What kind of well of living water have we left behind? What kind of story have we left behind that one day when our children are discouraged, they're going to be walking down the highway of life and they're going to say, thank God for that well that mama dug. Thank God for that prayer that daddy prayed. And it is going to help get them to the next place. But what happens in generations is that when the well is clogged up by the enemy, there's not an Isaac to come and say this well is going to flow again. I, I feel like preaching today. So here today, we are not offered a cup of blessings. We are offered a well of blessings. I was reading a story yesterday. There's this guy. He's a town drunk. Everybody knows him as the town drunk. He goes to church one Sunday. He gloriously got saved. Went to the altar, old-fashioned style, cried his way through to good old-fashioned salvation. I want to tell you, if you got an alcohol problem, the same Jesus that turned water to wine can turn the wine to water for you. Don't everybody shout at once. This man was changed just like salvation does. This well of living water had sprung up in him. He started living right. He was changed by the power of God. But just because you're saved doesn't mean you're not tempted. And just because you're saved doesn't mean there's not trials that are going to come your way and the devil's going to test you to see if he can make you fall. He's going to do that. And so the old drunk is walking downtown just like he's always done. <clears throat> but he walks by this old bar that he used to hang out at. He hears his friends in there partying and having a good time. He can hear the music inside that he used to dance to. He can smell even the scent of the alcohol that had consumed his life for so many years and took so much from him. Everything inside of this man had a craving. I want to go inside of that bar and I want to get a shot or two. Just a shot won't hurt. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to get just a little bit of that. But as he's walking right beside this bar, there's this little restaurant. And it had a sign that said, all the buttermilk you can drink for 25 cents. So the man decided he musters all his strength. He walks by the bar. He smells the alcohol. He goes to the restaurant next door. He goes to the bar. He walks up to the counter. He has his quarter in his hand. He slams it on the little bar and says, give me that glass of buttermilk. Waiter begins serving him, gives him buttermilk. He says, hit me again. That's what he used to say, but now he's saying it for butter. Hit me again. He drank down the cup of, hit me again. He drank five cups of that old buttermilk. He left the restaurant. He walked by with a grin on his face. He looked at that bar. He smiled and said, now try to tempt me, Mr. Devil. I do not want that alcohol anymore because I'm full of buttermilk. What? What in the world is the logic of the story? Do you understand this? That if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm talking full and running over. The things of this world, they don't tempt you as badly anymore because you can look at that and say, Devil, I don't want that thing. I don't want that stuff. I'm full of the Holy Ghost, and I don't want that anymore. <laughs> Nothing can compare to what you get when you are full of the Holy Spirit. 
That is why I need revival. That is why we as a corporate body need revival. Listen to me, folks. It is not about how emotional I can get. It is about being filled with His Spirit. It is about being full of His presence. That is why, that's why people sit at the altar. You know, it's funny, we've had revivals going on and I haven't been on Facebook in a while. I guess I'm on a fast kind of. I haven't posted in weeks. I guess I need to. Some of you have been wondering where poor Jimmy's been. I'm here. See me? Still alive. Still kicking. I just haven't put the official Facebook post up of life, you know. And I'm still here. But I was looking just the other day briefly. And, and I was thinking about these revivals and, and how they were talking about universities and, and things that revivals were moving in. The best thing that I've read yet is this. All right, you ready? So basically, there's people who were putting posts, and they were saying, man, that's hogwash. That's crazy. Oh, my gosh, not another one of these. Right? I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm not going to say anything because I'm not there. I haven't been there. I haven't experienced it. So who am I to tell you what God's doing? The best thing that I read was this. When a preacher said, just because revival didn't happen in your life or your church, don't knock somebody else's that did. That's powerful stuff right there. So in other words, just because we're lazy and just because we're not willing to get in his presence and to tarry, don't blame somebody else and say, oh, that's not God. Because if it was in our church, Oh, it will be the greatest move of God we've seen in years. Do you see what I'm trying to tell you today? But what's interesting is that the revival that is moving, it is not in Pentecostal churches. Now, I know Lee University said they're having a move of God, whatever. Where it started at in Ashbury, I got to doing some research. Those are Methodist folks. Now, we come from Methodist and Wesleyan. That's where Pentecostal roots are from. All right? But the Methodist church doesn't worship like we worship. They don't do like we do. Most of them don't anyhow. The ones that I've been in don't. But you know what I've noticed? And this is true revival. See, Pentecostals, we are so confused. We thought revival was when we ran the tops of the pews or rolled in the floor when we did certain motions. That's revival. But I'm going to tell you something. I've seen people shout their way right out the back door and backslide on God. I saw one preacher, he rolled in the floor for 35 minutes one night, got up, walked out the door, and never came back to church. And I'm sitting there thinking, you've got to be kidding me. That's not true revival. I'm not saying that God can't move on you in that way because he can. Please don't misunderstand me. But what I'm trying to point out is simply this, that in that revival, that Methodist church wasn't looking for rolling in the floor. They don't know nothing about that. They weren't looking for jumping and hopping and whoa, glory to God. And I've done it a plenty of times, but that's not what they're looking for. They don't understand that kind of worship. Is everybody still with me? All that they know is I want to be in the presence of Jesus. And so when you see pictures and when you watch video, it's not people running around. It's not our Pentecost. Oh, God, we broke out in fire. Hallelujah. No. People on their knees, hands lifted, just praising Him, tears rolling down their face. See, I'm telling you, I have had enough. Oh my God, help me, Jesus! I feel. I, I, mm, pray for me, Jean. Pray for me, honey. I was raised in enough of that. I have seen what we would call revival at its best. All right? I have seen all of that with my eyes. And I'm not knocking that. But I am also telling you that I experienced a lot of revivals that I know now weren't really revival. And the reason I know it wasn't revival was because it didn't last. And that bothers me. That is why today, do you know what I'd rather see from this church today? I would rather see altars full, down the aisle full, with people on their face before God. And I run out of tissues. I've got one box over here. It's probably some in the 
custodian room if we have to run and get them. And we run out of tissues because we're trying to give them to people because God has wrecked them so bad that all they can do is sit there in His presence and moan and groan and cry and weep under the power of the Holy Spirit. That is revival. That's revival. It is a change in us. And I'm preaching to us today because I don't want superficiality. What I want is a change in my heart today. A change in your heart. A change in our church. A, a change of culture. A change of who we are. It is about being full of the Spirit. I mean, I, I saw one guy. He came out of that room. It was something else. He was like a, I guess a Hispanic pastor. I don't even know who he is. But he was posting a video. And he said, man, he's just crying on that video. He said, I just came out from this little chapel. He said, and God absolutely wrecked me from the moment I walked in the door. And he's walking around the campus. Tears rolling down his face. And he said, I've got to take this back to my church. I've got to tell them we got to get in his presence. He said, I want this at our church. Tears rolling down his face. What we need, ladies and gentlemen, is to understand that we have lived off a cup of blessings long enough. There's a God that is ready to send his power down. Lord, send your power just now and baptize all of us again in the Holy Ghost. I got Mary and I got Martha. I've got Mary. I've got Mary. I've got Martha that is running around cumbersome. She's doing everything to make it just right. But then I've got a Mary that is literally sitting at the feet of Jesus, worshiping Him. She's praising Him. Have you ever been in a moment that that was you? That you got in the presence of Jesus and you just wanted to stay there? Has anybody ever been in a church service to where you got down on the altar and you laid down there and service had been dismissed and when you look back, other people have left but you were still on the altar in the presence of Jesus. Has anybody ever been there? Have you ever been in your closet at home or in a prayer place, even in your car, and you just had to sit there because Jesus showed up and you could not leave him? That, my friends, is being full of the Spirit. We need more encounters like that. Jesus, somebody shout hallelujah in the house today. My goodness. Help Pastor Jimmy. Help Pastor Jimmy, Jesus. Help me. But this world will plug up our wells. This world, in many cases, has succeeded in doing such. But like Isaac, we go back, we redig some of those wells that our fathers dug. We need to taste that fresh water again. My grandmother, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was just a young, young kid. I was younger than Ansley there. I may have been seven years old. And mother, before she'd go to work, she'd always take me to grandma's house, especially during the summer. And I stayed with my grandma. And I remember between what used to be our car lot and her backyard, and her house is over here, right in that little section, there was sticking out the ground a pipe. And there was an old red, what do you call them things? Where's Rick Masters at? I know he knows. We were talking about him the other day. A cone? Brian's normally right. Lord, forgive me. And there's this red thing sticking out, whatever you call it. I just know that there was a priming stick. And you'd grab that thing and you'd get the priming. Now, this is what would happen at Grandma's. That well would be a little dry, right? And I remember I used to try to pump and prime that thing. And my fear was the wasp. Because the wasp just got right under that thing. And you get to pumping and priming, they'd fly after you. I'd take off running, forget about the well, honey. Unless Grandma comes out. And Grandma began to teach me sometimes <laughs> to get to the well. You got to first go through the cup. 
See, some of us want a well of blessings. And we've never even had a cup of blessings. Sometimes you got to go through the cup before you can get to the well. You've got to recognize how blessed you are right now before God can give you that. You've got to understand the favor of God that's been on my life in this little cup before God can say, I'm going to give you a well. But this is what Grandma taught me. You take that cup of water and you begin to pour that cup into the well. Woo! And that was enough just to prime it. And listen, I could sit there and I could drink the cup of water or either I could pour the cup in believing that something better was on the way. And so I learned you pour the cup and you prime, honey. And eventually, guess what happens? An unlimited supply of water flowed out of that thing. Woo! <laughs> she had one of those old spoon utensils. Y'all remember those? Y'all worried about COVID? We never washed that thing. Everybody and their neighbor and their cousin's cousin drank from that little utensil all the time. I was more healthy then, I believe, than I am now, but I learned a lesson that when you can understand that there's a God that loves you and you've got a cup of blessing, and if you can just understand there's more than what I've got right now and start pouring it in, God's going to bring a revival, a well springing up in our churches. Woo! Man, I'm preaching today. But we are so consumed with this world. In our defense, isn't there a lot of carnal attraction? It's on our TVs. It's on our road signs. That we do not enjoy the living well that's inside of us anymore. I've often wondered why people lose the joy of their salvation. I wonder why people, I figured it out when I was studying yesterday. I always wondered, how can you be saved and not live a life of joy? How can you be saved and know who Jesus is and his greatness and his power in your life and not be wanting to tell somebody else about it? How can you go to a church and not lift up hands, holy hands, to worship him? How can you not want to go to an altar and be wrecked by God? I mean, why wouldn't you want to? But I figured it out, and it is a simple concept. Our wells have been clogged. All the stuff we're dealing with, all the trouble and trials we're going through, all the carnality around us. So what does God say? We have to clean out the well. Clean your life out. Clean your mind out. Look at Psalm 51. This is my last scripture, and I'm hurrying. But, but this is what David said. He had committed adultery with Bathsheba, had killed a man, lied to a man, three sins right there. But this was his prayer of repentance. He said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right or steadfast spirit within me. Let's go. Do not cast me away from your presence. I've got to have you. Please do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. He is saying my well has been clogged by sin. My well has been clogged by my own flesh and my own lust. But I'm asking you to forgive me what he's doing, folks, is he's cleaning out his heart. He's cleaning out the well. He's purifying his mind of all those evil and bad thoughts that he has had and negativity. He is getting it all out of there. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. That's what the well is for. There is nobody wanting a stagnant well. There is nobody that wants a well that looks like a well. It has the depth of a well, but you can't get water out of that well. That is not the purpose of a well. And we've got Christians that are walking around saying, oh, the well of salvation, but there's no water flowing out of them. There's no spirit flowing out of them. It is all because of a clogged up. I've got to get the junk out of the well. 
See, this is the worst you're ever going to know, folks. The trials of this world, it's the worst it's going to be. This is our cup, our handful of trials. But when we get to heaven, as our brothers have sang today and sisters, there will be a well of blessing. I'll even call it a geyser of blessing, streets of gold, gates of pearl, walls of jasper, no more pain, no more sickness. That's how it ends. But better yet, we are here, not there. I'm going to say that again. I am here on earth, not in heaven yet. So while I'm here, blessings are not just available in heaven. They are, there are blessings here on earth as well. We don't have to wait to sit and tarry at the feet of Jesus in heaven. We can do it now around his altar. We can do it now in his presence. We can do it. Gotta close. I, I thank God. You know, I think of my mother, man. My mother, man, and my grandmother even. She was a Baptist lady, wasn't even Pentecostal. But when I think about the wells that they dug that I drank from, anybody know what I'm talking about in the house? Man, I used to go to grandma's. She's got Alzheimer's now. She she doesn't want to know me from, from Adam. And but I used to go into her house. And every single morning, 7.30, her Bible would be laid open on the coffee table. She would have one of those little, I don't, Reader's Digest or some kind of, I don't remember what they called that book, but it was a study of the Word. And she would have it as comparison, her Bible beside it, so she could read the Scripture and then she'd read the devotion. And she'd have a cup of coffee. Thank you, Grandma, for that addiction. It is a well in my life. Hallelujah. And she sat there and she sipped on her coffee. And she read her Bible. It didn't matter if I came in. She'd read it to me. Amen. Praise God. The wells that were dug for me. So that I could drink from them. My mama every Sunday morning sipping on coffee. I, and now see, see I'm connecting it. It's starting to come to me right here, right now. Because when I wake up on Sunday morning, my mama's Bible is laid out on the table, her Sunday school lesson, and a cup of coffee. Man, I get it now. I get it. She's drinking from the well she saw Grandma drink from. Saturday mornings, you come up to my study, Bible out, books all around, my OCD doesn't bother me then. I just scatter them all out and I'm all over the place studying. Guess what I got on the table? A cup of coffee, baby. I'm starting to see it because there are wells that are dug that we have drank from and I'm telling somebody today that there are so many I thank God for them listen I want to tell you something I would not give anything for the experiences that I had with God as a child I wouldn't give anything for it I would not give anything today for where I have been I would not because I'm telling you I have experienced the presence of God I remember praying to be filled with the Spirit in a little Pentecostal church. And I remember people praying for me. I got ladies hollering, hold on, hold on. I got other people screaming, let go, let go. I didn't know what in the world to do. I'd been in church all my life. I had no idea. But I'm going to tell you what happened that day. I remember that day when I got filled with the Spirit. I didn't know technically what in the world was going on. But I'm telling you that day, I got a taste of that well. And I knew that day something was happening to me that I had never experienced before. Now I want to tell you all today, the way I act and the way I preach, you can make fun of me, you can laugh at me, you can even say that I'm crazy and there is some truth in that. But the change that happened in my life that day, it was a well that got inside of me. And over the years I have found that that well is good. That well will give life to your marriage.
That well will give life to your children. That well, it will bless your heart. That well will bless you in every single way. I'm closing. Let's, let's, maybe someone here today. Maybe someone here today. You used to be full of living water. Maybe you were a gusher. Now I can't even get you to spit anything out. You're as dry as yesterday's cornbread. It's time to get it flushed out. It's time to get good and sanctified again. It's time to fall back in love with Jesus again. 101 salvation. Everything from that moment will begin to change. Begin to love your sisters and your brothers in Christ. Loving your neighbor as you love yourself. You will be amazed at what will happen when that well comes alive again. I want to leave you with the thought. There is no such thing as dry services. But there is a such thing as dry saints. Did everybody grab it? In His presence, there is never a dry service. If you think that, then you are underestimating the power of your all-powerful God who is capable and well able to do whatever he desires. So if I come into his presence and I leave saying, man, that was dry today. I may have been dry. You may have been dry. But his well is never dry. His spirit is never dry. It is always gushing out to give life, to bless us, to change us. But carnality, one sin always calls for another sin. Sin is always thirsty. Anybody been watching those, those Murdoch trials? <laughs> if you want to be interested in some crazy stuff, you ought to watch a little bit. But the one thing that he said was basically this, paraphrasing, was that I started with a lie and I had to keep the story going. What he was saying is one lie led to another lie, which led to another lie. That's the way sin is. And ultimately, what does it lead to? It leads to spiritual death. And that is what the devil wants in our churches because that doesn't spell revival. It spells staleness and stagnancy. But that is not what God has called us for. There is a well inside of you, ladies and gentlemen. The day you got saved, God put it in there. One drug calls for another. One affair, another. One lust calls for another lust. It is always unsatisfied. But Jesus told the woman at the well, He that drinks of this water will never thirst again. Once you have tasted the greatness of God, nothing in this world will satisfy the craving you feel inside. This is how true revival begins and starts. Is everybody still with me? Let's stand. I'm closing. I've preached long enough. This is revival, folks. True revival starts... When we become so intoxicated with Him that we get to this place that we say, all I desire is you. I want my marriage to look like you, Jesus. I want my family to look like you. I want the way I treat people to look like you. I want people when I come to church and see me worship you man I want that to really reflect who you are and how great you are so talk about revival all we want I can preach I can kick I can spit I can get you to an emotional revival in about 30 minutes I promise you because I know exactly how to do it I'm too experienced I've seen it too many times I know how to get people worked up. Don't you worry about that. I, I was an evangelist. I'm still an evangelist. Come on and pray, sister. I'm still an evangelist at heart. I know what it takes 
to get people emotionally connected to this thing. But see, Byron, here's the deal. When you evangelize, do you know what your mission is? Your mission is to get in there and absolutely flip that church upside down and leave. You don't care what happens next week. All you care about is that week because you're the speaker. And you're the one that's got the microphone. And you go in there and you preach those people and they're shouting all over the place. And then you leave them. But when you pastor, it's a total different game. Because you start understanding. I don't want to have a good service Sunday. In three months we're looking and saying, man, it's dry around this place. No. I want revival to break out inside of us. I want to see people in the altar every week. I want to see people, even if they're at their seats, I don't care. If they're sitting in their seat and their heads just bowed over, or they're looking up to the sky, or their eyes are closed, or they're on their knees and they're knelt at their, at their seat there, I don't care. I just want people to have a connection with Jesus in a way they've never had before. That is my agenda. Lord, fill me with this well of living water. I am trading in my cup for a well. I am going to take it home with me. Things will change. My mom and, and saints used to pray this. My daddy was an alcoholic for years and years. Alcoholism is one of the saddest things that I have ever seen in my life. I'm telling you, it will scar you for the rest of your life. I still have memories of my father today. I wish I could erase them. I wish I could, but I can't. They are there. And it is because of alcoholism. But I remember my mom and my dad, my mom and my sisters and brothers in the church used to pray. Brian, and this was their prayer. They said, God, when Jimmy gets ready to drink that bottle tonight, let it make him sick. Well, these people mean business. Lord, I've heard mama say it more than once. When Jim drinks that bottle, tears in her eyes, she said, God, just let him vomit. And eventually he did vomit. It cost him his life. Hemorrhaged to death. Died. Went in the hospital. Never came out. All because of alcohol. But they prayed, God, let him puke it up. Let it make him sick. Lord, don't let it taste good to him anymore. I mean, that's the way we used to pray. We used to pray for sinners and say, God, don't let them sleep tonight. God, make us so unhappy with our current spirituality that we have to have you again. Make us so uncomfortable with the status quo and mediocrity that when we think about it, it will absolutely make us feel nauseous. Convict us of our sins. Convict us of our failures. Convict us for being lazy. Convict us for not desiring more of you. So today, I'll leave you with this. There's already people that have moved as the Spirit has told them to. I'll leave you with the question. What are you going home with today? You going home with a cup? Or are you going home with a well? Sing it, Brian. The altars are open. The altars are open if God's moving upon you. Or you can pray at your seat wherever. Just get in His presence. You are here. Moving in our midst, I, I worship you, Jesus. I worship you. Oh, I worship you, Jesus. You are here. You are here. Working in this place. You're working in my heart right now. I worship you. I worship you. I worship you.
Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop.